you, everybody. This is Movies to be Murdered by. And I am Jesse Drew alongside Mr. Jeff Watson. Jeffrey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy because we're back together and we're going to yeah. talk about a really great movie. Um, and it's almost Halloween. And mm-hmm. well, there's like a bunch of things I'm happy about. Um, I was in my group, uh, it's like, I don't want to say group therapy, but it is, I guess, group therapy, but it's peer run. I had my group therapy last night. I love that group. It's awesome to be with them. Um, I went for a walk this morning with a, with a, another mom, a friend, you know, a friend through my son and wow, there's just a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on, but it sounds like you're, you're doing well and that makes me happy. So if you're happy, Aww. I'm happy. Well, we are siblings, so right. we need to be there for each other. And we need to be there for you guys, the audience. Uh, we're going to be discussing They Live, 1988's They Live, directed by the one and only John Carpenter, Mr. John Carpenter, legend, horror icon. I don't even, I mean, I could go on and on. Um Jeff, did you know that the body count for this movie is not clear? There are different body counts, like there are different numbers. Mm -hmm. The one that I felt was probably most accurate is 53, which is the highest we've had on our show so far. (laughs) This movie really does chew bubblegum and kick ass. It really does. It's just like the quote. Um, its budget was three million nineteen eighty eight bucks. I did the conversion, which is worth seven point five million today. So I mean, for movie studio standards, that's really low budget. That is, um, especially with everything that they did in the movie with the effects and everything. That that blows my mind that they were able to do that with with that budget. Same. I feel like um, they were, they, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about exactly what you just mentioned, but they were very crafty on that movie. Yeah. Um, the box office took in 13 million. So for 1988, going from 3 million to 13 million is a little bit of a, like a hit, you know, and then mm-hmm. a little bit of a sleeper hit. Um, and that 13 million would be 32.5 million today. So. Wow. Wow. Not too bad, not too shabby. Not at all. Um, they Live was based on a short story called Eight O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson. John Carpenter came across it, and it's not a direct adaptation. It's it, the story of Eight O'Clock in the Morning um, is different, but the point is the same that basically human beings are, in, in the short story, base, human beings are being like mass hypnotized to you know follow and obey and you know these aliens so it's he took the like the basic kernel of the story and um used it for the basis of they live um the um the story basically of the movie follows sort of like a no name he goes by nada which means nothing in spanish um this guy who's just basically a drifter we don't know anything about him um and that was done on purpose um john carpenter said he didn't 
like need to have a whole backstory. He does have one. He told Rowdy Roddy Piper to give his character, like in his mind, like a whole backstory and like how he ended up where he ended up, but to never tell him. And um and then, you know, obviously Roddy Piper, rest in peace, passed away, yes. you know, many years ago. Um, so we'll never know what that backstory is, but I think it's more poetic that way. Um, so yeah, so we, the, the movie follows his character and he's a drifter and he is looking for work. He comes across, um, like a construction site where he meets Frank, who's played by our favorite Actor Keith David, <laughs> Keith David, we Keith love David. you. Keith we David. love you so much. <laughs> oh, I know, uh, Jeff. We, I can't. No. <laughs> I mean, the fact that in anything that he's in, I'm, I'm watching. You know, I, I have to. And he was, he was such a. I loved him. In this, I mean, I love him in everything, but I really love him in this. And I will say, I know we're going to talk about it, but I, I've got to get to the story that he told about the fight scene. Oh well, then let's like let's zip through this. Okay. <laughs> let's zip through this plot summary. <laughs> so basically, um, Nada comes across. He gets taken to a shanty town, you know, basically for homeless people by Frank. They both hang out there and um there's a soup kitchen and a church that ministers to the people there he comes across um a box of sunglasses um the police state you know comes down on the people running the soup kitchen and drives you know eventually drives everybody out of there but he's got these sunglasses he puts them on one morning and sees what is really there which is subliminal messages um being used all over our environment to control human beings, um, to uh, brainwash them into following and obeying capitalist uh, regime. Um, he 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 has a the actors. You know they had the movie has a six minute legendary fight scene between <laughs> Keith David and Roddy Piper. Um, they. Um, he finally gets Frank to put on the glasses. He sees what's going on. They also are able to see human beings who actually are aliens. They look like sort of like a, almost like a Terminator, uh, like machine alien mashup, um, really cool effects. Um, and, uh, yeah. So then they, they set out to try to stop what's happening, which is the takeover. Aliens want to take over this planet, um, and have money and power, and when they're done, they're gonna, you know, they're just gonna use everybody up and murder anybody who gets in their way. So they are able to stop the transmission, um, despite all, the whole resistance movement being decimated um, by the police, etc. And they manage to stop the transition transmission of these brain waves through the local TV station. It cuts it off for the whole world so that people start to kind of wake up from their stupor. And in a glorious final scene, <laughs> which is so nasty, this lady is just 
having sex with this guy and stops and because she's because the the brain waves have stopped so she realizes that she's in bed with an alien and that's you know the end of the movie um both the main characters die in their fight to you know stop this takeover uh but as but it's very cool as as uh as nada um roddy piper uh is like you know kind of dying he gives the aliens the middle finger middle finger <laughs> i yeah. love it that's, that's very awesome. punk rock Awesome. Um, so Jeff, tell tell me the story about what Keith David said. <laughs> well, I was, of course, I was just going through different videos of Keith David <laughs> because you know that's just what we that's do. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. So I uh, was going through some videos, and he had an interview where he was telling the story about the fight scene, and you know, it for people who've never watched it or people who watched fight scenes in other movies, this one goes on a long time. I mean, it's a, it's a long fight scene. And of, for people who don't know, Roddy Piper was a professional wrestler, which is another reason why this movie is so near and dear to my heart. Because And if you don't, if you didn't know that, shame on you. Well, <laughs> that's okay. a whole, that's a different conversation. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, so he was talking about how how Roddy was equating their fight scene to how he would set up one of the matches in professional wrestling and how different moves had to lead to other things. So it all made sense and it flowed. So he he was talking about how they were going to put this scene together and do all these different things and he said that Roddy like really helped him, you know, craft that scene and help out where he was like, well, what do we do next? Are we just going to hit each other? And you know, that's it. Like, but Roddy Piper was like, no, there has to be a build. There has to be different things that we do between, you know, this part of the fight. And then the next part, and we, you know, we got to build it up. Like this is a wrestling match essentially. So I thought that was really cool hearing him talk about how, and at that point in time in 1988, I mean, Roddy Piper was the one of the most hated heels in professional wrestling. So to see him in that role, first off, was awesome. But then to see how they set that up, I mean, it honestly looked like a little mini wrestling match. To me, like all these years later, rewatching it, I'm like, okay, this now I see what he was talking about. This is pretty awesome. So I had to get that in because I mean, I again, I love Keith David. Roddy Piper was one of my favorites, even though I wasn't supposed to like him because he was a bad guy. I still loved him. So, um, so yeah, I just thought that was a cool story that he told. And if people want to hear it in full and get the full details of what he said go out on youtube and uh and look that up look up roddy piper interview i mean uh keith david interview about uh roddy piper fight scene and it's pretty cool that's really cool um i also um he was one of my favorites also when i was little yeah and again like you know he was the bad guy and he wore like the tartan skirts and stuff you know but but i always liked him um yeah love him absolutely love him Totally. I uh, I had read that 
John Carpenter had met him at a WWF match mm-hmm. that he went to and that he just like left an impression on him and that he felt like that dude looks like like the character has like like he's really like kind of like been everywhere and could could really do this just like knock it out and i think i mean always trust the director's gut sense um i think he i think john carpenter really is just like i think he's getting his due nowadays like i think people really respect and like give him his due but back that but back then i don't think so much it was just like oh he's a horror you know like oh whatever but Mm -hmm. i think that man was just really he's he's just a genius because who would like you said like he wasn't roddy piper at that point wasn't somebody that everyone was going after it's not like he was like you know the rock you know what i mean and everybody loves him and everybody's going after him and he took a chance on him and then he mentioned just that he had seen you know that he i'm sorry that he had just really appreciated um keith david's uh performance in the thing yeah and just really oh, wanted, wanted what a him. performance by the way I, I know we're not talking about that but what a performance no that's okay you can talk about anything um yeah he just felt like he would be a really good second to rod roddy piper but not like a a traditional sidekick he said I really felt that Keith could hold his own and have and be his own character, his own person in the movie. Um, and I needed that. I didn't want like a sidekick, you know. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's great. I feel like it's always great to hear the backstory on how the people landed in the roles, even when you hear like who was considered first, you know what I mean? Or yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that fight scene is wow. I mean, at one point, I'm I'm almost like I remember watching it and being aware that this was a legendary fight scene, mm-hmm. and just being like, "Are we going a little long?" And then I'm like, "No, this kind of no, this fight scene kind of kicks butt. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is an yeah. awesome fight it was, scene." I mean, it's it's funny because if this if this were to take place in any other movie, people would ridicule it. Because it's like, what's the point? It's just fighting just for the sake of fighting. But what they did in this is they told a story. And that and that's what was so cool about it. It was all about trying to convince Frank to put on the dang glasses. Like, yes. dude, open your eyes. Stop. You know, you got to wake up. Open your eyes to this. Put on the glasses. And, you know, you get all the the frustrations with each other and all of that i mean and there were points during the during the fight scene where roddy piper was like visibly smiling and i mean he laughed at one point and it's you know it's like you you think they're gonna stop fighting and then they just keep on going and you know i love the part where he where roddy tried to low blow him he said you dirty mother and (laughs) (laughs) it just kept welling on him so yeah, no, totally, totally. And I, yeah, I like that part where he kind of laughs because it's like, that's just real life. Like, um, yeah. that happens in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that you're, you know, you could be like spitting out blood from your mouth and like the next minute you think it's over and you're giggling. But like, yeah. it, it's it's interesting. And, and to further along what you said, like, it is, it, it hint that the success of that fight scene hinges on the fact, like you said, that they're telling a story with it mm-hmm. that that 
it, the whole thing is just, and you're waiting as the audience for Keith David to finally give up and put on those sunglasses. And then he'll see and one will become two in the army, you know, and then, you know, the movie will keep forward, moving forward. And what, what you know, then what's going to happen? But he just won't, no matter how disenfranchised. I mean, you know, um, the fact that he's African-American, like he's poor, he's got, he keeps mentioning he has a family. He can, he can't even get proper work. He's just like, you know, on this like crew for construction and he's grateful for that. It's like, it's like all these things you would think he would listen to his friend who's saying, hey, like this is all a game that they're running on us. But instead, it's the opposite. It's like, he's like, no, I can't hear this. I can't. I, I cannot accept this. You're crazy. I need to get back to work. I need to do the only thing I know how to do. And then he becomes a revolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, who ends up dying for the cause. I mean, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Like that. And all and so much of that is like you just get you get it. Like, you know, like a snap, you know, like in that fight scene, because you just see their struggle of like, you know, the way things are and the way things really are. And they just are just struggling to who's going to come out on top. I really thought Keith David was going to win that one. (laughs) I was like, I know he's in the rest of this movie, but he's really good. Like, I don't know that he's going to put on these glasses. Like. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah, famous. Um. I got to mention something. And I'm wondering where you stand on this. John Carpenter is also a musician. And his his music is in a lot of his films. I can't remember which ones exactly and which ones not. But I know in Halloween, he contributed to that, you know, the... Right? And his music is in this movie, too. It's like the... Like the whole thing is like he composed it with some other dude and, you know, um, I can't get behind that kind of like bluesy, like, like, you know, song that kind of pervades through the beginning. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like it's I don't know if you've watched that movie Planes, Trains and Automobiles Mm -hmm. with John Candy and Steve Martin, like that is basically the same exact music it's like the chicago blues that's in planes trains and automobiles which makes sense for that movie because they're kind of like oh my god like you know um the flight's been canceled now the train broke down now you know so it's kind of like this like but like in this movie not too much i don't know what's what's your thoughts if you have any i don't i mean i don't know if you thought about it but i I found it a little annoying at times, if I'm being honest, um, because I, I just feel like it doesn't match. Like right? I, get, I get what they were trying to do with it, because it's one of those tunes where you kind of see like um, it's kind of like a downtrodden kind of. Oh, yeah. Know, that kind of thing. And given the given the circumstances of the characters and where we see them and their environment, I get what they were trying to do. Like they didn't want to do this action, you know, riff of guitars because that's not necessarily the feel of the environment. 
You know, it's right. probably more of a depressed, you know, kind of low, you know, kind of like a hobo. Like, yeah, I like mean, he's that, a hobo. That's, like, that's how the yeah. song, song yeah. is like a hobo and that, song. Yeah, and that's that's what they were trying to get across. But I didn't, I didn't feel like that music was needed, and I, I did find it a little annoying. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, I just, I felt like it kind of, like you said, like it. I don't know. I felt like it kind of took away from. Yeah. Just like I started like noticing it, and then you know when you start noticing something in a movie too much, and it takes you out of the movie. And all I'm mm-hmm. thinking is like, this song is actually kind of annoying, mm-hmm. and I don't think it matches, like you said. And then I'm like thinking about like John Carpenter as a musician and how he's generally good. And you see, like, and all this stuff is going on in my head while I'm watching the movie, right. and I'm like, I don't want to be thinking about this. Like, right. just put something else on. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh my god. Um, all right. The one, the one part that I have to talk about, no, like it it can't be like not talked about, um, is the legendary quote when he, when Roddy Piper is in, he just finishes like the cops are, the cops are alerted that he's, you know, probably identified the aliens, um, the aliens call it in and he has a shotgun he goes into the bank he you know kills the cops and he goes into the bank and he says quote i have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubblegum oh. and that's the best that quote i knew that quote before i mean for years before i even watched this movie this was i had i watched this movie for our show um I was, was aware. That's the, this is the first time you watched it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. I was always curious about it, but I, I didn't know what it was about. And so I thought maybe that's one of those like kind of throwaway 80s horror movies that, well, you know, I don't really need to watch, you know, Slumber Party Massacre yeah. Part 7. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then I just kind of became more aware of it. Um, But, yeah, that quote I was always aware of and different iterations, like different comedians will say it differently, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's just it's amazing. And what I what the backstory on that, what I read about was that Carpenter said that um he was like, you know, those wrestlers like back in the day, they like like they would go from like city to city and they'd have to like have these like hype up, you know, like hype themselves up to the crowds, like, you know, sort of like sayings or what have you. Um, little speeches, little like kind of like punch up numbers. And he said that Roddy gave him Roddy gave John Carpenter, his book that he had all of his like one liners and whatnot, like written down in this book. And he gave it to John and John looked through it and pulled this one out and said, this was the best one in the whole book. And he had, um, and he had him say that. So that's the reason it came out. So natural stuff for him was he just, he had been saying that at shows all along um which i thought was cool i like i love these little backstories they're so cute (laughs) i love it i love it and you know so the wrestling nerd in me um so basically that story i i read that 
I read that story somewhere. And um, so for wrestlers, they used to, you know, jot down these things and they go out to the crowd. And when they give their speech to the crowd, it's called a promo. And so so the promo, what you're trying to do um, as a wrestler is you're trying to either get over what they call get over with the crowd. So that means get them on your side. Or you're trying to get them to hate your guts, which Roddy Piper was great at. He was he was phenomenal as the bad guy. And, you know, a lot of times they would throw out, especially then, these catchphrases. So, I mean, you think about you think about wrestlers in the nineties and two thousands, you think about the rock, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. I mean, yeah, Steve Austin. That's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Then you go to the rock. You know, can you smell what the rock is cooking? Um, Smackdown Hotel, you name it. He had a ton of them. But Roddy Piper was he was the guy that just sparked all of that because he was such a good talker. And that line is one is one of, if not the favorite movie quote of mine. I love that line. I absolutely love it. Every time I hear it, I crack up because it is so it it's just so Roddy Piper. Like yeah. it's, just, it's just that's just only he could have delivered that that way in that movie. And I will say this too. And people may disagree and that's fine. But to me and in my opinion, you had seen wrestlers get parts in movies before. This one, you saw Hulk Hogan in the Rocky franchise. You saw Andre the Giant in um, God, why can't I think of the movie The Princess Bride? Princess Bride, yeah. Um, you know, you saw wrestlers in movies before, but in my opinion, the people that are enjoying success today as wrestlers that have crossed over to the film industry, The Rock, John Cena, they don't get there without Roddy Piper doing they live. Absolutely. They don't Absolutely. get there. They don't headline. No. They don't box office. You know, they, they're not box office film stars if Roddy Piper doesn't trailblaze this. Totally. He walked so they could fly. Exactly. You know, absolutely agree with you. Because this was this was not a this was a complex role. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more, it's much more difficult to play someone who's a kind of like a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not an obvious quote unquote type. You don't know that this guy needs to fight for his five-year-old so that, you know what I mean? Like fight the aliens so that his, no, it's, you just don't know anything. He's just this guy who stumbled mm-hmm. upon this stuff and he has to make it believable. And I think that, no, I totally 100% agree with you. I think I think uh, thank goodness for John Carpenter's vision. I'm sure people tried to talk him out of it. You know, he does he doesn't mention that, but I'm sure people were like, "No way!" <laughs> you know? yeah. This is a, this because this was his like re- this was his big fu to the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. This was like you know to talk about the politics of this movie is he felt that. Reagan and his administration 
hadn't done anything except further and increase the gap between the lower class and the upper class. He created that dynamic that just just kept widening and kept dividing our country. We, you know, all of these things. And he just said he got so tired of all the consumerism, just how everything on TV was just buy, 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 was just targeting our money um, and not giving anything back to the people. And so, so he said that his way of protesting and, and saying F you, so all of it was to make this movie. Um, and so, you know, for like, you know, for him to be making this political statement, which was so well crafted, I'm sure people were probably like, you don't want to cast like this hated, you know, wrestler as your main character, but he did. And thank goodness, because we have a great performance um, forever and this great pairing of him with Keith David um god I can't go on enough about Keith David though like I'm sorry I, but it just he's just amazing the man his handle on Instagram is like the silver voice or something yes. like that yes. yeah like he's really like about his voice but I, I and like his voice is amazing and it's you know iconic but like it's just his presence mm-hmm. he can turn on like like, you know, the comedic side, he can turn on um, the serious and struggling side and you believe it. And it's so convincing. And it always, honestly, it always like pairs well with whoever's doing a scene with him. Mm -hmm. Like that's the mark, I think, of a great actor. You can like bring, like you can level up a scene, whatever that scene is, even if it's in a bad movie. You know what right. I mean? Or if it's in a great movie and you bring out, you make that scene so much better because you're in it. Like whenever he's in a movie, I'm like, oh, hold on. I definitely have to watch this or, okay, let's start it over because I didn't realize he's in it <laughs> and I want right. to pay full attention. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just want to give Keith David his due. I feel like, I feel like he should like really get like an Oscar for something. Of, you know? of course. I don't know what though. I mean, he could do anything and, you know, and it would be Oscar worthy if he was in the right movie. Right. You know, like I want, like I want, uh, I'm just saying this director just because like he's legendary for like, you know, kind of bringing people back. But like, I want Tarantino to like put him in a movie or something, Mm -hmm. you know, or so, or or a director like that, or like a Darren Aronofsky, you know, somebody like who can like, throw you know throw an oldie quote-unquote like actor or actress and then pull out a really great performance and then everybody's like whoa wait a minute we forgot about that dude like mm-hmm. ernie hudson also needs one of those please oh, somebody yeah. i mean i can't i can't the yeah. man's getting older somebody like <laughs> anybody somebody anybody like you know <laughs> give him a meaty role so that we can get him an oscar yeah I'll take an Emmy even for him. Get him in yeah. a show that's amazing, you know, a limited series, and then he wins. He takes home an Emmy. There Done. You. There you Done. go. I'm just I don't know. I I ordered one of the highlights of the of the past week and a half is that I had ordered um um a T-shirt that I on Instagram. I'm really active on Instagram, and so there's a um a really awesome artist. Um, named VHS Girl. She does paintings of VHS covers, uh, mounts them on wooden blocks, and she's 
she's great and she's lovely like a lovely human being she's in this sort of collective group of women who um make these t-shirts all based on movies and i think some maybe some tv shows um carbondale bad dad is like their handle and uh, their company name on etsy i i woke up one day i put on instagram and there she was wearing a t-shirt that said the keith david fan club and i was like sold i need i just hit that button i smashed that button and i was like i need a t-shirt now and it came it arrived like two or three days later and I just was wearing it nonstop. <laughs> oh my gosh! The I Keith to... David fan club. I, I was like, "Look that... at you, little girl!" Like she's, you know, she's a lot. She's probably like, you know, ten, fifteen years younger than me. And I was like, "Awesome! This girl like knows her stuff." I need that shirt. Yeah, I'll I send you. The, I'll, okay. I'll send you the link because it's. It, and it wears well too. I was just like rocking it, like feeling all yeah. like happy about myself. <laughs> like, um sure yeah Yeah, i need that uh yeah so um i think we need to get to uh our ratings jeff we have a rating system here on movies to be murdered by i don't know if you heard i I think we do i think uh so we rate our movies one to five one being no thanks and five being hello um and headstones because guys this is a horror movie podcast so you know come right. on guys yeah right. we already told you uh, <laughs> we also have the tattoo test where we um ask each other if we get tattoos of any like iconography of the movie etc so jeff we'll start with you how many headstones i'm gonna make this simple normally i struggle with this but i'm gonna <laughs> make it really simple five, five wow head- Five headstones. This is a must watch, I think. If you're if you're into like eighties horror, or if you're into Roddy Piper or Keith David or a combination, <laughs> you gotta watch this. Um this is this is a it was such a unique movie, I thought. Um very, very different from what we were used to seeing. Uh I think it still stands up today. You could you could update it. And I, I really hope that no one does this. I, I don't want this to be remade. But you could apply a lot of what's going on in today's political climate to uh, to this movie. I mean, you really can. I think it still stands the test of time. And uh, it's still very relatable today. Please, for the love of everything holy, don't remake this movie. Because this is a classic. It doesn't need to be remade. It's perfect with the people that are in it. Um, but yeah, I five five headstones for me. And I know what you're gonna ask me next. You're gonna ask me if I would get a tattoo mm-hmm. of this film. Mm-hmm. Okay, the answer is yes. The answer I'm, is yes. I'm blown away because usually the rating is lower than I think you're gonna go, <laughs> and the and the tattoo is always a no. <laughs> a no. Yeah, always a no. Okay, so here's my idea. Okay. An unraveled bubblegum wrapper with Ooh. Keith David and Roddy Piper's face kind of as the logo on the bubblegum wrapper. That's my I, idea for a tattoo for it. I love that. 
<laughs> I love that. And I can see if you got that, I could see people who know about this movie just look losing their minds being like wait a minute is that what i think it is you know like if yeah. i saw that that's how i would react you know yeah that's yeah. awesome nice oh, yeah. yeah all right i've shocked you this week with my rage you did shock me <laughs> i am shocked I, I won't be able to sleep tonight <laughs> what, what about you what are you rated uh in terms of headstones and would you get a tattoo i would rate it uh Let's say four or four and a half. Um, it's a really good movie. And you, you basically, you took the words right out of my mouth on everything. Basically, it's just, it's a, it's a really smart movie. Um, and even today with all of the, you know, like the wide playing field of genres and mixing and whatnot that movies uh, take on, you don't see movies like this. Right. I don't know. There's something really special about it. Um the graphics in it really like called to me and um just like you said the performances everything you you nailed it though um the reason why it's not a full five um i really didn't like the last shot of the woman topless and having yeah. sex with the man i felt like i mean i know that was like what we did in the 80s you know what i mean there was always like a random topless woman you know at yeah. some point in the movie yeah. but i just kind of feel like we didn't need that i don't know just she could have had like a negligee on or something even if you had to have that you know kind of jokey last shot but so and, and the and the music that music though that just that took some points down <laughs> for me i can't with the little like <laughs> yeah harmonica like no thanks <laughs> no thanks forever um and i would get a tattoo i don't know what i would get a tattoo of because like that artist shepherd fairy i don't know if you know him he's the one who did like all the obey and mm -hmm. the andre the giant face and stuff like like you know that he so it's like it's not even like he co-opted that's those images so it's like not even about the movie anymore you know what i mean it's like yeah so i don't i wouldn't use that but like if i could come up with if i was as creative as you are and i could come up with a cool idea um <laughs> i would definitely involve keith david's face somewhere on the tattoo <laughs> maybe the alien face actually yeah. the yeah. alien face design in that movie was very cool the aliens very were cool. very cool so yeah. um as usual, I would get a tattoo, <laughs> you know, beat me over the head with it. And, um, and as not usual, you would too. So yeah, we could go on a, a siblings mission and go get ourselves some tattoos where they some live. Tattoos, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm down. Nice. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, we hope to have inspired you to go. Uh, rewatch they live it's streaming right now i forget where but it's streaming peacock. yeah peacock and um it's worth it so until next time i have been jesse drew he has been jeff watson we have been movies to be murdered by horror podcast hosted by two people of color who have been obsessed with movies since we were children and yes. probably watched way too many inappropriate movies as children <laughs> also correct <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye. <laughs>
Game over.